T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Home and home. I'm going to go get the biggest cheeseburger you've ever seen. <laughs> uh, prime, the biggest one. And uh, might be a double. <laughs> a cheeseburger in paradise for Big Red Andy Reid. Win number 222, his first ever Super Bowl, cementing his now Hall of Fame legacy. The Chiefs. Crowned Super Bowl champs, Andy Reid at 61. It's a Super Monday, home and home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out at ziprecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs. I'm home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker, he's home in Pennsylvania. We will go to the home markets of the Kansas City Chiefs Sports Radio 610 in KC. And of course, 95-7, the Bay Area, Joe Shasky, has he picked up the pieces yet from a devastating loss? But first, let's hear how it sounded on Chiefs Radio Network, their first Super Bowl victory in 50 years. Andy Reid made a decision to come to Kansas City. Everything changed within a week. And in seven years, they have become one of the most popular professional teams in the world with Patrick Mahomes and this wonderful team. Mahomes takes the snap. He's just going to throw it long for Demarcus Robinson. It is going to use up all the time. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. The Kansas City Chiefs are champions of Super Bowl 54. Final score, Kansas City 31, San Francisco 20. And Chiefs Kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. The third straight double-digit deficit the Chiefs come back from. That was Mitch Holtis on Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Gotta feel good for Chiefs Nation. Most of us feeling a bit fat and hungover this morning. Not Ross Tucker. Oh, no. He's all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and had healthy food and got up and had a workout. I hate you right now, Ross Tucker. I am you, America. I feel like shit this morning. I hate that you feel just fine and you're ready to go having worked out. Well, okay. So I don't know that I would say I feel just fine. I was feeling a little bit under the weather yesterday, which is why I didn't go to the family Super Bowl party that my family went to that. And I wanted to focus on the game and be in my own cocoon, if you will, taking notes. Plus, I had had a few too many daddy sodas, as I call them, both Friday and Saturday. I didn't need to have any more on Sunday. I didn't need to have people talking to me during the game and during the commercials. And feeling a little bit under the weather, I did not need to eat like crap. So instead... I had a mixed green salad with chicken and carrots and peas. I put some organic trail mix in there. I put two hard-boiled eggs in there, 
mixed it up with some Ken's light Caesar dressing. I got to tell you, Dave, as a guy that's known for my press box food videos and people love watching them at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter and Instagram, I got roasted yesterday. Good. I got absolutely roasted. People were telling me that's pathetic. That's sad. Oh my gosh. I'll just say this for all the people that always ask how I keep my weight down despite all the press box food buffets. That's how. When I'm home, that's how I eat. When I'm home, I eat relatively healthy. I feel like hell, man. I started out with Italian nachos, which I can describe later. Had some bean dip, had some of those mini corn dogs. And then the coup de gras. Right about halftime, it was buffalo chicken dip time, which is my true weakness. Probably ate half a bowl of buffalo chicken dip, which my wife nails. It is outstanding. But yeah, a lot of beers finished off with some bourbon in the fourth quarter. I am feeling it. I am you, America. And with that, our poll question at RDC Home and Home, we asked you, should the Monday after the Super Bowl be a holiday or should the NFL move the Super Bowl to Saturday? Right now, it is tight between Super Monday, which Fox had a campaign saying that Monday ought to be a holiday. But right now, a slight lead for moving the Super Bowl to Saturday. Every year, there is a change.org petition to move the Super Bowl to Saturday. Hundreds of thousands, in some cases, millions of people vote. And there's already a petition to make next year's Super Bowl on a Saturday. We'll dive more into that later in the program. I absolutely, for the record, Super Bowl Saturday, no doubt about it. This Monday thing, dragging my kids out of bed after staying up too late. And then America struggling all day at work, the unproductivity. All right, we'll get into it later. My question for you as we start this program is, when you woke up this morning or when you went to bed last night, Ross, your number one takeaway, was it that Patrick Mahomes is just freaking Superman? Was it that Jimmy G is just a guy? Or was it that Kyle Shanahan cannot coach with the league, with a lead in the biggest game in the sport? He has now surrendered 31 unanswered points to the Patriots, 21 unanswered points to the Chiefs, in the fourth quarter, your biggest number one takeaway is what? Uh, none of those three. My biggest number one takeaway was how happy I was for Andy Reid to win the Super Bowl and how much I love when people like him are able to destroy or crush narratives. Everybody leans on that crutch forever. Andy Reid can't win the big one. Talk to me when he wins the Super Bowl. I love that he knocked the crutch out of the hands of all of the people that have no real analysis. They just lean on saying stupid stuff like that. That was my biggest takeaway. In terms of the three that you mentioned I would go with Patrick Mahomes, Dave. I mean, the guy played the worst game I think I've ever seen him play and was the MVP of the Super Bowl. Think about that. I mean, that yeah. is crazy. Worst game I've ever seen him play. Two horrible interceptions. 
both his fault. Other throws he threw in the dirt. The one that Tyreek killed, that Tyreek had the trap and they overturned it. I mean, he w- I've never seen Mahomes play that poorly. And then the last seven minutes and 15 seconds, he turned it on like Michael Jordan at the end of a game in the NBA Finals. And the Chiefs won. He was, I thought, deservingly the MVP. That's my takeaway, quite frankly, is that with the last seven and a half minutes of the game, Mahomes played his best. Jimmy Garoppolo played his worst. And it's more than just quarterbacks, but that's what sticks in my head. First to the Andy Reid part of it. Absolutely thrilled for Andy Reid. Now, I went on record on Friday as saying he doesn't win this game. He's not a Hall of Famer. I stand by that. And that is with analysis because through three quarters, I sat and I asked my friends, look, at this moment, you know, who's your guy? And Kyle Shanahan was out coaching Andy Reid and had Andy Reid not won that Super Bowl last night. I stand by that. He is not, would not have been a Hall of Famer, but he showed what he's made of in that fourth quarter, dialing up the right plays. I think it was the wasp, the wasp. That's what he told Peter King, the third and 15 call, which of course Tyree Kill hauls in for 44 yards wide open in the secondary. And that was strange. The Niners did such a great job all night in not allowing Kansas City to throw the ball deep, allowing those short underneath routes, a lot of checkdowns. And on the biggest play of the game, they leave the best player on the field short of Patrick Mahomes wide open in the secondary. The Wasp worked to perfection on third and 15. But yes, Patrick Mahomes is freaking Superman. The worst game of his career, undoubtedly it was. That first interception was abominable. It was a terrible throw. He was mediocre. He was fumbling the ball now, lucky to have recovered it. But this was a bad three quarters for Patrick Mahomes. But now here we are, 24 years old. He has won an MVP a Super Bowl, and a Super Bowl MVP. And as a Denver Broncos fan, and everyone out there, unless you're a Chiefs fan, should be feeling the same way I do. Fuck. This sucks. Because Patrick Mahomes, look, we can say it all day. This guy is a Hall of Famer. Right now, he's a Hall of Famer. He's going to be great for 10, 15 years at a minimum. It sure feels like a guy that is going to dominate this league. And this is bad news for all of you, unless you are a Chiefs fan. And one of the fantastic storylines to come out of this one, and if you haven't seen the tweet, you must check it out. Seven years ago, as a kid in high school, Patrick Mahomes tweeted, I bet it feels amazing to be the quarterback who says, I'm going to Disney World after winning the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes, the kid, a 17-year-old, tweeted that. And then last night, he got to say it. It was phenomenal to see a man who's going to dominate the game again for the next 10 or so years pull that off. Um, Let's talk about Mahomes' night. And in particular, third and long and Tyreek Hill coming open on the Wasp. Is that on San Francisco? How do you let Tyreek Hill that wide open in the secondary. Yeah, let's be very clear about this, Dave. It was by far the biggest play of the game. Nothing even comes close. 
it, the play before Mahomes had thrown yet another bad ball to Tyree Kill, who caught it. They overturned it. He was wide open. It was a bad pass for Mahomes. And I just remember thinking, this is just not his night. Third and 15, okay? And I'll explain this to you. The Niners are in a three-deep coverage. Both corners have the outside third. Safety has the middle third of the field. And Emmanuel Mosley, the corner to that side, bit on an underneath crossing route and did not maintain his deep third of the field. Tyree Kill was in the slot, and he ran a corner route, flag route, seven route, whatever you want to call it, and got behind Mosley because Mosley, a young corner, bit on the eye candy in front of him exactly how the play is designed against cover three. Tyree Kill on third and 15 catches a ball 40 yards down the field without a single 49er within 10 yards. I would submit to you not only the play of the game, but honestly, Dave, if you let Tyree Kill behind you like that on third and 15 when you have a 10-point lead with seven minutes left in the Super Bowl, you probably should lose the game. And I know we're going to talk about a lot about Kyle Shanahan, and we should. But that's not on him. And that's on Salah. That's on the defense. And it's on Mosley. I saw Mosley have to play be like, my bad. I could tell he was devastated because he knew he screwed up, and he did. It was a mental error, not a physical error. But this is the sport. This is why I love it. I love the physicality of it. But you also really need to be a thinking man at times. And if you're Mosley, there was already a guy covering him underneath. They didn't need you to try to jump that and double that. It's a critical mental error, and it's how games are won and lost in pro football. Yeah, it it was hard to believe. That is the only situation in which you cannot, on any circumstance, allow them to convert. Now, um, the legacy of Patrick Mahomes is something to discuss. I just want to weigh in real quickly on the MVP award. I thought it should have gone to Williams. I thought Williams goes for 133 yards, two touchdowns, one through the air, one on the ground. I thought Damian Williams was the the key to the Chiefs in this game. Now, no one's surprised that Patrick Mahomes, the 24-year-old face of the NFL, wins the Super Bowl. Did you have any issue with him being the MVP? Can you agree with me that it felt like Damian Williams was the decided factor in this ball game, in particular sealing that the game with the 38-yard touchdown? No, I didn't think that. Hmm. Um, you know, it was already 24-20, and the Chiefs had the ball when Williams scored that touchdown. We've already said the play of the game was Patrick Mahomes' 44-yard throw to Tyree Kill on third and 15. Go ahead, Dave. Well, that that throw, I make that throw, Ross. You make that throw. That's not a remarkable Patrick Mahomes play. I mean, how many plays did he make that you said, holy crap, that was Mahomes? I didn't see 
Maybe the throw to Sammy Watkins when he blew by Richard Sherman down the right sideline. Um, I thought the other throw to Mahomes uh, to uh, Watkins fluttered a little bit, but that he threw it short was actually a, a good throw. If he throws it long uh, down the left sideline, then then Watkins gets lit up. But I don't think Mahomes blew you away with anything, whereas I feel like Damian Williams did. What play was remarkable that that the, the average quarterback couldn't make? That throw to, to Tyreek was an easy one. Yeah, well, I, I would I would say, what did Damian Williams do that was so great? I mean, he caught a four-yard pass for a touchdown, and the last touchdown run was a wide-open hole. I think you, to your point, you could have scored a touchdown there. Damian Williams had, whatever it was, 160 total yards and two touchdowns? That's great. Patrick Mahomes had over 300 total yards, a rushing touchdown, and two passing touchdowns. I mean, if we're talking about who was more valuable and more important to the Chiefs' victory, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's almost like, Dave, you know, for the the award Saturday night, Lamar Jackson won the MVP, but Saints receiver Michael Thomas was the offensive player of the year. If they did that award for the Super Bowl, Mahomes is the MVP, Damian Williams is the offensive player of the game, you know, because he had a good game. I just think Mahomes still more valuable. The options they called, some of the hits he took and kept going. And, you know, let's put it this way. The last seven minutes of the game, if they don't have Damian Williams and they have another running back in there like LaShawn McCoy, they probably still win. They don't have Mahomes in there and they have Matt Moore in there. They're not winning that game. Mahomes was the most valuable player. It's to me, uh, by and I thought it was a clear margin, which is kind of crazy considering the fact that I've already said I thought it was the worst game he ever played. And I thought he was, in general, not very uh, Mahomesian the first 50 minutes of the football game. Let's listen to what it sounded like for the victors. Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City. First Super Bowl in 50 years. You got a body and a boy right to Lombardi. It's just so special to me to sit there and watch my nine-year-old son tonight watch the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Like that's something that he'll remember for the rest of his life. And it's and it's great too, man, with all my Philly family reaching out and they're all hyped in Philadelphia tonight for Andy Reid. Because he got that ring, and, and, he, and he freaking deserved it. It was the cherry on top. I don't think it's really going to hit me until, you know, I'm down at the parade on Wednesday. So you are going to you know? t- take the nine-year-old? Uh, dude, I'm taking the nine-year-old, the two-year-old, I'll take the one-year-old, I'll take the dog, I'll take the freaking I, – I don't care, man. You know what I mean? God, like, family. Your coach, Andy Reid, who the one, the one thing that everybody said, eh, it's not a Hall of Famer, doesn't have a Super Bowl ring. That's debunked. That was the final check that he had to put on his resume. And the scariest damn thing about that is, the thing about Andy Reid is that if he can do something once, he can obviously do it again. I don't think Andy Reid's done having fun. I know he has a slew of grandchildren. I know he has a lot of love for his family. But he's made it work this long, and now he's got a taste. The Chiefs were down 24 to the Texans, one by 20. They were down. They were down ten to the Titans. Mm-hmm. One by eleven. They were down ten with eight thirty to play against the 49ers in the Super Bowl, and one by ten. 
They trailed by a total of 44 points and still won all three of those games by a combined 42. That's it. There's no more, like, ghosts haunting you. That's it. That's ball game. I just think that all that dies with Mahomes. I'm going off three hours of sleep, driving down to Wichita right now. Lost my boys. Man, I, I, I'm still just pumped. Couldn't go to sleep last night. Uh, man, I'm glad with the team because they always broke my heart, man. Yeah. Always broke my heart. Nobody understood the pain. My, my sister was a big Chiefs fan, man. She passed away uh, last year in August. And... I just want to say, man, this, we did it. We did it. Let's go. You have to be happy for Kansas City Chiefs fan. And the video of them celebrating was remarkable. That's Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City on our radio.com red zone. We're going to get to Super Bowl commercials. We're going to get to the halftime show. But, Ross, real quickly, about the number you heard there trailed by a combined 44 points in three postseason games, and they won them by a combined 42 points. I love nothing more in sports than people coming back from adversity, persevering through tough conditions. How do you account for this team repeatedly coming back from double-digit deficits? Uh, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And and the whole team and all the you know all the guys on the team and the leadership and blah blah blah. But honestly, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it, it's almost like Dave. They don't really get started until they're down double digits. It is yeah. crazy. I'm telling you right now, and I never say this. We will never see that again. We will never see a team their entire playoff run. They are down by double digits and then win by double digits each game. Dave, they didn't just go go on to win those games. They came back and won each of those games by double digits. That is just crazy talk. I don't recommend it. Like, kids, don't try this at home. It's not a good idea, but somehow it works for them. Ross, the meme going around the world was Shakira Listen to the sound she made with her mouth and specifically her tongue. I I can't. I can't do it, man. Um, What did you think real quickly of the halftime show? And please, can you make that Shakira sound with your mouth? Absolutely not. I'm not even going to try. You know I embarrass myself all the time. I'm happy to try to sing or dance, but I have no idea where to even start with what she did with the tongue. Uh, listen, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I will say, number one, Dave, I did not think it was a very good halftime show. I did think that there were aspects of it that were entertaining for me. But I would also say, you know, I'm surprised that that's what the NFL goes with for a Super Bowl halftime show. I thought some of the outfits... Some of the poses, positions, I am the furthest thing from a prude, but you even tweeted one, Dave, one picture where you said, hello, J-Lo, that it was like, hello, J-Lo was right at Dave Briggs TV. Listen, all I know is this. I have two daughters. They're seven and six. I was not with them. I mentioned earlier I was home. They were at a family party, but my Mm. wife said that they watched it. And uh, maybe that's our fault. 
that we shouldn't have let them watch it because my wife was pretty uncomfortable with them seeing that. Does not seem like a Super Bowl halftime show act. Like, I like any music's fine, any dancing's fine. Do we need all the crotch shots and all of the poles and all of the, you know, seductive? I, I just, it's a little bit yeah. too much for me. And there's a guy I know, Peter Burn, Peter Blackburn. He wrote, he tweeted, at NFL Sun, my son just humped a hole into our sectional couch. <laughs> I hope you're happy. <laughs> And I, I thought I thought that was very good. That was about how I would summarize it and call me a boomer, say I'm lame and I'm old and I'm all that stuff. But unless you have a couple young daughters, talk, talk to the hand because the face don't want to hear it. I watched the halftime show with about 10 kids, five adults, probably 10 kids in the room. I am not a prude either. I do not need crotch grabs. I think J-Lo is Hall of Fame, Tiger Woods hot, and talented to match. She can act, she can sing, she can dance. She's incredible. She is a freak of nature. I don't need the crotch grab from J-Lo. It didn't do it for me at all. And my wife, who, between you and I and our entire audience, I think my wife fantasizes about J-Lo more than she does about me. She's going to love that. She was offended by the crotch grabs last night. She was offended by the in-your-face move, which you got an up-close and personal glimpse at the material, at the goods. I, yeah, I thought it was a little too much. I wasn't ready for it. I don't know either of their music that much, so I wasn't that excited anyway. I want to generally be into the music of the performers. I thought they brought it. The energy was great. USA Today wrote it was one of the great halftime shows in recent history. I thought it was a bit offensive as well, a little too much of the crotch region. We should ask our, uh, our followers and our listeners at RDC Home and Home, what did you think? of the halftime show, it uh, it definitely stunned the audience that I was with, which was mostly kids under the age of 12. I think the boys had to leave and use the bathroom for a couple of minutes. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Let's talk to Cody Tapp, Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City. He was there for the game. He is there in Miami this morning. He has probably not slept a lick. Cody, good morning to you. Congratulations, and how you doing? Good night. Actually, I slept for 53 minutes, so I'm feeling great. 
This is about as good well, as I can okay, do. Okay, so Cody, explain that to us. Like, what, what, what did you do after the game? What were your obligations? What did you do? And then when did you sleep and when did you get back up? Walk us through it because that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, so after the game ends, it, it takes a long time to kind of put everything together. So, like, we have video and audio and everything. We're just kind of sending it all back. It takes a little time to cut it and put it all together. So plenty of time back at the stadium after the game ended, too. And then after we finished up with those obligations, then we had to get actually back to the apartment. And then I'm from Kansas City. I was born there. And I don't know, we got back to the place at like 2.15 in the morning. And I was like, you know what? Uh, how often am I going to be in Miami the day the Chiefs win the Super Bowl? So I went out to South Beach. <laughs> so that's part of where that 53 minutes went. I went out to South Beach. And when I came back, uh, I had just enough time to sleep for 53 minutes before I had to come out to the Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes press conferences. Never stop working, right? Well, we appreciate you sleeping less than an hour and joining us. He's the host of Cody and Gold on Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City. Uh, Andy Reid talking this morning saying, no, I did not sleep with the trophy. I slept with my <laughs> trophy wife. Andy Reid, uh, probably the second greatest coach of our era and definitely the greatest soundbite of all time. What's your number one takeaway from how the Chiefs are able to do this double-digit deficits three straight times in the postseason? And one by double digits in all three of those games. That is also remarkable. The short answer is Patrick Mahomes because he does things and other things don't, but they just they simply don't panic. Like that offense has so many weapons that even though Travis Kelsey didn't have a big game, even though Tyreek Hill didn't have a big game. Sammy Watkins went for 98 yards. It was Damian Williams' time to shine. There's just no way to hold them down. They had 10 points with eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter and still scored 31. We talked the whole week. The only way to beat the Chiefs was to get to 30. The Niners ended up at 20, as obviously we saw them, you know, tank there at the end. But a lot of it was just Patrick Mahomes. They just keep coming back in these games seemingly from the dead. And so much of it is just their prolific offense doing it. And the big difference between this year's team and last year's team is when you actually need the defense to get a stop, they get it. You know, late in that quarter where they needed that three and out, you know what would have really happened? Instead of getting that three and out, uh, defense would have given up a field goal or a touchdown and been back to two scores, and they would have had the same problem they just had. Cody, uh, Patrick Mahomes, is it fair to say – that that was the worst game he's ever played, especially up until the third and 15 throw to Tyree Kill with seven minutes and 13 seconds left. Did you think that was the worst you had ever seen him play? Yes. Other than maybe the Colts game this year, it is at the very, it's at the best, one of the two or three worst games he's ever played. And they still won, and he was still Super Bowl MVP. And he doesn't still, he doesn't really usually have bad games. I thought that second pick, Ross, was on Tyree Kill a little bit. He's guilty of like popping the ball up when he doesn't need to, even though it wasn't a particularly good throw. But yes, it was not a good game for Mahomes until that final six and a half minutes when they absolutely needed him to just go. Is our guy, uh, Therese Paler, from K, you know, who lives in KC now for Yahoo Sports, he says Baba Yaga, as in John Wick, when he just decided over my dead body, he was Patrick Mahomes again. So up until that point, they really did frustrate him. Things changed, though, once they really needed to get to that part, and they did a really good job stopping him. 
Boy, you're really letting uh, – t- I mean, I, I thought that second interception was all on Patrick Mahomes. Yes, the ball popped up a bit. It was bad. It was slow, bit. but that- – it was well behind, well behind Tyreek Hill. Um, surprising part is, you know, Damian Williams gets more carries than either Raheem Mostert or Tevin Coleman. Really uh, a commitment to the ground game last night. Did that surprise you as far as the, the game plan? I thought that the Niners would just try to force him to go short. Like the Niners wanted him to play small ball. And if you saw the first touchdown drive for the took like seven and a half minutes and 15 plays. And that's not the Chiefs' offense at all. So I kind of thought the Niners might try to make them do that. So that didn't surprise me. But Damian Williams getting 100 yards? Yeah. Yeah, that surprised me. I didn't anticipate that kind of game from him just because I assumed even though they'd make them play small ball, the Chiefs would still find a way to let Patrick Mahomes do very Patrick Mahomes things. It just took very long in the game to do it. But Williams, you know, he was hurt early in the year. And as the season went on and he really got comfortable and got healthy again, he was the primary back. We spent a lot of the season talking about how they were rotating guys through. They had Spencer Ware for a little bit. They had, uh, I mean, just anybody and everybody. Obviously, the Sean McCoy was getting carries for a bit, and he was even inactive for this game. Once he got comfortable, that game was firmly in hand for Kansas City. And really a good thing that they had that ability to work off because he used to play action there late, as you guys both know. But, yeah, I was surprised. I kind of thought he was going to get Super Bowl MVP. He would have been my spot. Cody, how old are you? 35. Okay, you said that you're from Kansas City. Is this by far the biggest thing that's ever happened to Kansas City since you've been alive? Yes. And I was I was there for that World Series run, too. But it had been 30 years, not 50. And the Royals are huge in this town. And I like the Chiefs. And so... You know, sports-wise, you just can't even come close to compare to really anything. I can't remember the city kind of getting behind that. I mean, they're already expecting – I mean, schools are closed. There were 800,000 people at the Royals parade. I mean, what are they going to be at the Chiefs? A million three? A million five? I mean, I, the city will be absolutely nuts. And in my lifetime, it doesn't really compare for anything, which is part of the reason we try to, like, go out celebrating last night. It's just how often can you compare that situation to what you were in, like – you know what? Let's just soak in every last minute. I'll sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> Talking to Cody Tapp, Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City, the parade in KC on Wednesday. Patrick Mahomes, does he enter next season with or without a new contract? I think with. I know that they're, they're talking about maybe waiting out that CDA deal, um, but I, there's no reason. Every millisecond you wait to pay Patrick Mahomes, he is more expensive. Anytime another quarterback gets paid, he's more expensive. And Dak is definitively going to get paid. Deshaun Watson's not far away. I think they'll get the deal done. I think some of that posturing from Clark Hunt earlier where he said, oh, you know, there's not a rush, and sometime in the next 12 to 18 months, and we'll get that done. I think that's just posturing. I think that they will get the deal done. And next year's cap number won't be terrible, but they, they have to get him paid because he's the best player in the league. You don't have a choice, and waiting doesn't do you any good other than waiting out the new CBA. Because there were at least, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Russ, there were at least some talks about trying to figure out a way to release or relieve the cap hit for quarterbacks a little bit. I just don't think that's going to get done necessarily, so you might as well just pay him. Yeah, no, they're not going to do that. Uh, that, that would be That would surprise me, and the Chiefs would be 
very dumb if they didn't give him a new contract this offseason. And if if I were Mahomes, I wouldn't play a snap next year until I got a deal worth at least $40 oh, no. million dollars per year. I, I said on Twitter, Cody, I thought he could have been real gangster and been like Darrell Revis and Sunday morning called Clark Hunt and said, I'm not playing in the game today <laughs> until I get a new deal. <laughs> that would have, I'll tell you, Revis would have done it. Revis would have done it. Straight business. Yeah. Hilarious. Um, speaking of straight business, let's talk straight politics, Cody. I just got to know, as someone that's from there, what did you think of President Trump's tweet about the great state of Kansas and Kansas City? A mistake we are tired of correcting. <laughs> I'm afraid it's so frustrating. Look, I mean, they're close. There's a Kansas City, Kansas. It's like the size of a thimble. Like, and I, at this rate, it's just weird to keep correcting it. And the Chiefs and the Royals definitively play on the Missouri side. And I feel like we've corrected this enough times at this point that we are very, very tired of correcting it. So even politics aside, damn it, we're in Missouri. Like, I just want to... Uh, if anyone's ever been to Kansas City, Kansas, it would be laughable. My wife used to work down there, so I'm not just, like, posturing or taking a shot at Kansas City, Kansas. It's, like, four roads big. So there's just, you know, their downtown has, like, a building that's six stories. So, you know, to compare the two is laughable, but we all just shake our head. It's the same thing. If it didn't happen at every concert that ever came through, right? Like, uh, Shakira performing yeah. last night. She's in Kansas City. She'd be like, hey, Kansas. We're like, ugh. Oh, we're like too tired to fight it at this point. Okay, sure, you're close enough. The question we asked you to start the morning at RDC, home and home. Please follow us and as well, check us out on iTunes, give us a review or click that subscribe button. We would appreciate all of that. The question on our Twitter feed this morning, should the Monday after the Super Bowl be a holiday or should the NFL move the Super Bowl to Saturday Right now, it is Super Bowl Saturday in the league. Ross Tucker, what's your preference? Or do you like it the way it is? It's a good question. I, I don't have a strong opinion on this. I don't want Super Bowl Saturday. I would say that. I don't want Super Bowl Saturday. Why? Because I like, in my role as a broadcaster, I like the immediacy of being able to talk about it the very next day, Monday morning. No matter what you say, if it was on Saturday, I think it loses a little bit of the luster for Monday. I mean, it's still what we're talking about, but I like that it just happened last night and we're already talking about it this morning. In terms of the day off, I guess on some level, who says no to that? Like, oh, yeah, another day off. Sure, another day Doesn't really affect my life. I'm working today either way. And, again, selfishly, if everybody has a day off, then a lot of them aren't listening to us on their commute to work or aren't watching us or whatever. They're not in their normal routine. So, um, I don't know. I certainly wouldn't want it at the expense of another holiday. I, I don't I don't really care that much. I mean, honestly, Dave, I'm working anyway. So, like, I don't know. Well, we could get rid of Columbus Day. Let's just be clear about that. That's one holiday we could probably do without. I, I prefer a Super Bowl Saturday. And every year there's a change.org petition calling for the NFL to move the Super Bowl to Saturday. And I come at this like I do a lot of subjects as a fan and mostly as a parent. 
Now, there are people that would not want Monday off because there are a lot of people in America. Most Americans need the money. They need to go to work on Monday. They cannot survive just losing a day of work, let alone the fact that only 100 million people watch the Super Bowl, which leaves 230 million people that don't watch the Super Bowl. So you clearly can't make Monday a holiday because too many people need the money and too many people don't watch the Super Bowl. Super Bowl Saturday for me works, although you bring up a good point from a discussion standpoint. The NFL wants this to dominate discussions starting Monday morning and continuing really throughout the week. They want the commercials discussed on Monday. Certainly the advertisers do as well. And when you talk about the college football national championship game, yeah, I mean, when they play that on a Monday night, I don't like that. And when we have big football games on Saturday night, no one's really talking about them come Monday. I think the Super Bowl would be the exception. I think a late Saturday night game is still going to be the number one most discussed thing on a Monday morning. For me, look, had a couple of beers, way too much buffalo chicken dip, had some bourbon. I'm struggling this morning. So I would like to have this day off, even though I'm happy to be here discussing it with you. But when I try to drag two of my three kids out of bed this morning and they're going off to school with their eyes closed, probably going to be unproductive all day. I think this does not work for most Americans, at least for us on the East coast. When you put those kids to bed around 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. I don't really give a shit about the kids. They're fine. They can suck it up. They're young. <laughs> I, I'm way more concerned about the halftime show than I am about you know, them meeting today off. I mean, they'll be tired. Good. Maybe they'll go to bed earlier tonight. <laughs> That's nothing wrong with that. I'll say this too, Dave. You know, I like that this weekend, Friday and Saturday night, I went out both nights, you know, had good dinners, had good fun with friends. And then Sunday was the Super Bowl. To me, it's like, it's already like you get three awesome nights, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of Super Bowl weekend. If you made it a Saturday, then you only get two. I don't want two. I want three. I, I And I like waking up Super Bowl Sunday and knowing, yeah, Super Bowl Sunday, you know, went to church, went to my girls basketball. We're like, oh, you're going to be there. And I'm like, yeah, probably not. I don't know. We're going to eat this. The one wife brought in some wings to basketball practice, knowing I might not be there that night. So I had some wings at basketball practice. You have the game that I, 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 uh, I'm a creature of habit. I like routine. I think it's perfect just the way it is. I mean, if anything, I would say let's kick the game off at 540 instead of 640. I think that would go a long way if we just did that. But I'm okay with it. You want to make Monday a holiday that makes a bunch of people happy? That's fine. Doesn't really affect my life one way or the other. How about those Super Bowl commercials? What was the best? Was there a real stinker among them? Let's talk about all of that with Chris Weissman, the CMO of Top Right Transformational Marketing. He's going to tell us all about the Super Bowl ads that hit and those that missed. Chris, great to have you on the program. It's Dave Briggs and it's Ross Tucker. My favorite Super Bowl ad was the Hyundai Smart Park. Chris Evans, Captain America, David Ortiz. Uh, thought that was fantastic. To you, what was the best ad of the night and why? You know, I really like the smart car ad, too. I thought uh, it sold the brand really well. It gave you a memorable phrase, which I thought was fantastic. Uh, I think it could have used a little bit more branding, 
you know, they mentioned Sonata, but you never heard Hyundai. But I did love it, especially I was I, I grew up in Boston, uh, so I'm going to be walking around saying that's a smart car all day. Uh, the one that stood out to me was the Google ad, Loretta. Uh, I thought that that was really, uh, you know, especially for the target audience, I think it was appealing to both men and women who are watching the, the game. Uh, it presented, you know, a benefit, somebody who's dealing with potentially Alzheimer's or something like that, and being able to use a smart device to capture memories that they may not be able to have and be able to come back to them. So that one really made an impact. And it showed me uh, a way to use that device other than, you know, play music or turn the lights off. Yeah, that that was amazing. I'm with you, Chris. I guess I want to talk a little bit more generally. Um, What, in your opinion, makes a good or bad commercial in general, but in particular for the Super Bowl? Well, the Super Bowl's, you know, it's funny because the Super Bowl is the Super Bowl of advertising just the way it is of football. And over the years, what you've seen is advertisers try and go over the top with what they're trying to do because they need to break out. You know, they've got 30 seconds. They've plopped down five and a half million dollars and they have to have an impact. So they have to do something sensational like use CGI tricks or bring celebrities. At the end of the day, whether it's at the Super Bowl or it's in another venue, advertising doesn't work unless it does one of three things. It either convinces customers to buy more product, to buy that product more often, or it builds a stronger relationship with you and the brand so that you'll pay a higher price for it. If you don't accomplish one of those things, it doesn't matter if you have Martin Scorsese or Shakira or whoever – If it doesn't do those things, all you're doing is you're entertaining an audience who say, man, I really like that ad. Great. Are you going to buy the product? No, I don't have any interest, but I really thought was entertained. To me, that's just wasted money. Jeep's Groundhog Day won the USA Today ad meter. That Hyundai ad was second place. And my my question about that is they released this early. So it got a lot of buzz and a lot of people had seen it. Therefore, the reaction wasn't quite as big during the game because people were already familiar with it. Why are companies do that, doing that? And does it, does it ultimately harm you in terms of the, the real reaction in the moment? Or do they get double the buzz? I think that they get double the buzz. You've got 90 million people watching the Super Bowl. But as you were saying earlier in the segment, some people are off at the commercials getting, you know, filling up their beer or getting some more wings or something like that. Social media today gives you so much opportunity to extend your message. And if you can take a commercial like the smart car and get people to share it. And, and, and you, now you go from 92 million views to a couple hundred million views and uh, it becomes part of the, the lexicon. You know, I, I suspect over the next month, just like with the, the Budweiser ads uh, back in the 90s and early 2000s, people would be walking around saying, is that a smart car for a while now? And I think if they would have just run 30 seconds or I guess it was about a minute long at the Super Bowl, they might not have gotten that. Yeah, that was going to be one of my questions, Chris. I'll piggyback off of that one, which is how much of the value in buying a Super Bowl commercial spot is in sort of the residual value of 
us talking about it the next day, the social media stuff, the conversation around the commercials itself. You know, I'm just curious as to how much kind of value they put on that part of it. Well, I think that that's I think that that's why they're now asking for five point six million dollars, because you get that stage and platform to become part of the conversation and to have folks like us or USA Today talking about you the next day. I think it's a high risk, high return um, move because, you know, as USA Today showed, and I think we all have our list of those that were complete failures. And there you get a lot of, of, of that same sharing and extending of message, but in a negative way, and it can really damage you, damage your brand. Talking to Chris Weissman, CMO, Top Right Transformational Marketing, about the best Super Bowl commercials last night. I mentioned the uh, Jeep ad, Groundhog Day, won the USA Today ad meter. Second place was the Smart Park from Hyundai. Chris, did you have a real stinker of the night? What did you think of the Mr. Peanut Baby? My stinker of the night was was the Rob Riggle, Sofia Vergara, Bounty uh, chili all over the people. I thought that one just stunk, but I did. I did actually remember who the ad was for. What was your bad ad of the night? Oh, there were a few. Uh, I think the one that probably was the worst for me was the one that was fixed the pretzel for Pop Tarts. You know, I, I look at the Super Bowl and I think, what a great venue to launch a food product. People are in the eating mood. You have ninety million people watching, you're going to get instant recognition. And, and that one, it just fell flat. I didn't understand the creative. I didn't understand what the benefit was. And I don't know if anybody ever woke up any day and say, man, I wish I could have a pretzel from the toaster. And it, it just, I just thought creatively it was a miss. I didn't understand how it connected to the, to the target at the Super Bowl. And the product itself just, fell flat for me yeah i didn't even i don't remember that one chris so uh, i i guess i agree with you my question is i'm with dave i thought the rob riggle one uh for bounty chili was terrible um Mm -hmm. i don't find rob riggle funny very often but i do remember it and it almost seems to me like you either want to have the best commercial or the worst commercial if you're in the middle Nobody's talking about you. If you're the worst one like Riggle and we hated it, at least we're talking about it and we're talking about Bounty and paper towels. And okay, I still remember that Bounty in my head and they wipe up chili off the ground. Well, you know, that one, just a little inside baseball. What that one was is the folks at P&G saying, I've got all of these brands and none can afford an ad on their own. So let's throw them all together and see how many brands that we can advertise in 30 seconds. And like you, I didn't like that one. At the end, other than Bounty, I couldn't tell you what other products were in there. I know that they were all P&G products, but I didn't know what else was in there. And it, 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 it came off as trying to do too much, uh, trying to do too much with too little time. And, you know, I think, Ross, to your point, if you woke up and you hated it, are you going to go buy more Bounty? Even if you remember Bounty, is it going to make you, when you go to the grocery store, say, 
boy, you know, I just, I feel compelled now to buy, buy bounty. Or will you say, oh yeah, that's the paper towel from that stupid Super Bowl ad. I don't, I have no, uh, no interest in being part of that. A man of his word, Joe Shasky, the butcher boy, joining us early on a painful Monday morning for his 49ers. Shasky, we appreciate you coming on. I know this is a tough morning. Where do you place your blame right now that you've had a, a few hours to sleep on it? Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy G, or do you just have to chalk it up to Superman? Well, I've always been of the theory that there's like a pie chart of culpability, right? And so you've got all these different slices on, on who you want to blame and point the finger at. I mean, the reality is teams lose games. The Chiefs obviously deserve so much credit. Patrick Mahomes got blasted all game. I mean, he took massive shots in this game, and they kept bouncing back. They fought back like a champion prize fighter, and all it took was that one big Third and 15 play. So right there, I got another slice. The defense, third and 15. How do you allow them to hit that giant bomb down the streaking sides to Tyreek Hill? That's just, uh, you can't do that. And then Jimmy Garoppolo clearly, clearly has a big slice of the pie. And I think that goes hand in hand with Kyle Shanahan. The relationship of Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan, the lack of trust, um, maybe the the fear of him throwing another oh-no Jimmy pick. I don't know what it was, but Jimmy didn't have a really great game. I know the numbers look good. He looked like a one-read quarterback in this one, and he had multiple opportunities with the ball in his hands. He was at the 50-yard line with a minute 30 to go, and it was four of the most awful plays I've seen from him all year. He looked locked up. They couldn't throw the ball on the outside of the hashes. And then that brings me to, to Kyle Shanahan, because in a game where you only have eight possessions in the first half, everyone is going to, you know, uh, Monday morning quarterback, the final two minutes of, of, the, of the first half saying, why weren't you more aggressive? I have a whole theory on that one. But I just think it starts with his lack of trust in Jimmy. They got away from the running game where he mostly only gets 12 touches in this game. Where is George Kittle? Like last year, I watched this Chiefs team go down to Gronkowski and the Tom Brady New England Patriots because everyone in the stadium knew Gronk is going to get the ball and you can't stop him. Where is the play for George Kittle in the red zone? Where is the play for George Kittle with this season on the line? And then the final play to me, fourth down, this is the second and last drive. Fourth down, the clock already hits zero. It should have been a delay of game. Call the timeout. Call the timeout. Get your guys rallied. Where's the composure? The quarterback can barely get the snap off. They don't even get a throw off. If that didn't speak to them crapping their pants as an entire team in the final seven minutes, I don't know what else to say, man. Uh, let's go through these sequentially. And I have rubbed it in with you before about 28 to three. Here is Kyle Shanahan, though, on not calling that timeout. And then Ross will ask you about it uh, after the question. They had three timeouts. It was 10 to 10. Um, the last thing we were going to do is allow them to get the ball with three timeouts, especially with their quarterback and offensive speed um, to go in there and score before half. Felt real good. Um, 10 to 10, especially with us starting with the ball. Um, thought it played out all right. Thought we should have got points, but um, they um, ended up calling that P.I. on Kittle. So they took it away. Yeah, I got to tell you, Joe, um, I, I did not have a big problem with him not calling timeout. I thought with the mm. Chiefs punting it from the 49-yard line that, you know, you don't know what your field position is going to be there. They almost downed the punt at the one-yard line. 
So if you called a timeout with a minute and a half left, you're really just helping the Chiefs get another score. That wasn't the issue for me. The issue for me was after it was a touchback and you knew you had the ball at the 20, three timeouts, a minute left, to call runs on first and second down and huddle up and have no sense of urgency, that to me was the issue. I think, in my opinion, Joe, and I want yours, I think people are focused on the wrong aspect of the end of the first half. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up. So me and my co-host, Monte Hill, we were screaming at each other watching the game. And, you know, you're watching the game with everybody at the studio. And he's saying, call the timeout, call the timeout. John Lynch is screaming, call the timeout. I'm with you, Ross. I watched this team do that exact same thing. Call a timeout, then get pinned in their own end zone at the end of the Monday night game against Seattle. Then Shanahan threw three straight incomplete passes and punted the ball back to Russell Wilson only to lose the game. And everyone said, why weren't you more conservative why didn't you run the ball so I feel like this guy he just he 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 couldn't win he couldn't win with this decision I I agree with you running the ball in that situation that was just perplexing I didn't understand it the word I use is sense of urgency like you could still be pragmatic with the clock but where's the sense of urgency then you take the deep shot to George Kittle that was an OPI yeah is it ticky tacky probably but you extended the arm once and then twice nine times out of ten they're gonna call that I, I I don't love the call, but but I'm, I'm okay with it because he did kind of push off, and it was a big-time play. I have a bigger issue with where are you not being more aggressive throughout the entire game? There were two throws, Kittle and Sanders late, to extend these safeties. you gotta you got to attack more in this game, and that goes back to Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think Kyle Shanahan trusts Jimmy Garoppolo. You saw John Lynch calling for the timeout. You see what Kyle Shanahan did on the field, and then you saw the lack of trust in Jimmy Garoppolo, and then you see what played out in the final two minutes. I'm telling you, there's something going on here, guys. This dynamic is going to be something I'm monitoring. I don't know what to make of it, but I'm with you, Ross, and I'm, I'm, I am alone in the Bay Area with this one. I said I'm okay with them not mm. calling the timeout and, and kind of rolling the dice on that because, like you said, they almost downed that punt. My bigger issue was the set of plays that you run once you get the ball at the 20 Throw the ball. Like, just throw the ball. And that's where, can you ISO Kittle? Can you can you take a shot over the top to Debo Samuel or Emmanuel Sanders? Oh, my God. And when you lose, man, you got to dissect every nuance. I'm just, I'm, I'm sick to my stomach, to be honest with you. We can hear it. Niners, uh, Mostert and Coleman average five plus yards per carry. 17 carries, 86 yards. And that equation, five plus yards per carry. Niners generally win that game. You say the coach, Kyle Shanahan, doesn't trust the quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, they threw the ball 20 times in the second half. They ran it 10. That, again, is averaging five yards per carry. It sounds like in your voice... You might have some questions if Jimmy Garoppolo is back in a Niners uniform next year. It's just a $4.2 million cap hit. Do you think there's any chance, even a slight one, that Kyle Shanahan wants to go elsewhere with the position? Oh, wow. I mean, this I think this is the million-dollar question. I If I had to bet today, I say Jimmy comes back, no question about it, right? That's what I would say today. In the back of my head, I'm saying, I think everything's on the table. I think moving up in the draft, taking a quarterback and stashing him for a year is on the table. I think there's a straight up 
clean, clean cut from Jimmy is on the table. Kyle is out here praising Kirk Cousins the week of the Super Bowl as a franchise quarterback. And then with two minutes to go, is afraid in the first half, is afraid to throw the ball with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I know that they threw the ball a lot. It was cute, dink and dunk, one read type of plays. All year, it's been one read, maybe two reads. Kyle's play designs have been, this is who you are throwing to. This is the play. If it's not there, eat it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, if you watch the way the Niners play, it, it feels to me like Kyle can put anybody in that slot and get comparable statistics. That's not to take away from Jimmy. I think Jimmy's really good. It's his first full year starting, but they squandered a massive opportunity to hoist the Lombardi. And this has been my fear all year long. They had a championship caliber defense. They just needed the quarterback at times to be better than what Jimmy Garoppolo was yesterday. And that sucks. He was good, but he wasn't great. Like, he just wasn't great. And they needed somebody to be great to beat that guy, Patrick Mahomes. Straight up. Yeah, I, I thought he played pretty well, Joe, until, you know, the last eight or nine minutes or so. You know, but even even I'll go back when he missed Kittle. He didn't throw it to Kittle on a third and two. They had to end up going for the uh, field goal early in the second half. Kittle was wide open, middle of the field. Shanahan's also gotten criticism, Joe, for being too aggressive with Garoppolo in the fourth quarter and people saying they should have ran it more. Do you think that is fair? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not just running the ball. To me, it's like there's this weird thing, and I've been saying it all year. Raheem Most is your best running back, all right? Now, I get it. Committees, all these things. You want to, you know, obviously, you know, conserve a guy throughout the season. I get all that. It's the Super Bowl. You waited two and a half series to get Raheem Mostert to touch? Are, are, are you kidding me? Like, what are you trying to prove to me with Tevin Coleman? I get it. You like him. Okay, great. Raheem Mostert's the better player. Stop with the roster politics. Stop trying to prove to me that you're smarter than you are. To me, it's just it's just criminal that you a team that hangs its hat on running the rock down your throat only gives the ball to a guy who broke the record in the NFC Championship game 12 touches. Like, that's that's just criminal to me. I don't understand it. You can be aggressive while still running the ball in dynamic ways. Where's the screen game for Tevin Coleman? Isn't that why you got him? Because he's a great pass catcher? I didn't see any screens in this game. So, look, we're going to dissect all of Kyle's conservative nature, his aggressive nature. He, he had a bad game by his standards. And the irony was they were up 10. They were up 10 in the fourth quarter with seven minutes to go. They needed to sustain a drive. That's all they needed to do. And when push came to shove, they couldn't do it. And part of it, it's the big boy league, man. This ain't CYO, all right? It was a great season. I love this team. It's a great year. But guess what? It's, it's the pros. You got to deliver when push comes to shove. And the facts are Kyle Shanahan now in two Super Bowls has been outscored 46-0, 46 nothing in the fourth quarter. Like, that's that is now he has become the current Andy Reid. They've switched spots. It's 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 crazy the narratives, the way everything flipped in the final six and a half minutes. And this defense played their heart out, but you can't give up 21 points in seven minutes. All right. So Joe, we probably should have started with this, but I need to know the emotions of everybody in the Bay Area, Niners fans. Is it we we're, this is the start of something big and we'll be back, or is it much different than that? 
This is one of those losses, Ross, and I, I'm, I'm saying this without reservation. This is one of those losses, as a sports fan, you never get over. You never, ever, ever get over this kind of a loss. This is heartbreaking. This is one of the, the more favorite teams in sports history in the Bay Area. This goes right up there with the 2002 Giants and Dusty Baker handing the ball to Russ Ortiz and Felix Rodriguez giving up a home run to Scott Spezio. This goes right up there with the 49ers falling into a giant deficit in the 2012 Super Bowl, 2013, and not handing the ball off to Frank Gore. This goes right up there with the, the NBA champion Golden State Warriors in 2016 losing on Father's Day. Tie game, two minutes to go. Andre Iguodala gets blocked by LeBron, and Kyrie puts a dagger in their eye after winning 73 games. You will never, Bay Area fans are already heartbroken. Yeah, there's the big picture of, you know, the team is still young, but we know how this thing works out. Even if they go and rip off four straight Super Bowls, which it's not going to happen, but let's just say, in this hypothetical world, you still left one on the table. And, like, these opportunities are few and far between. You, like, they had a lead in the fourth quarter, up 10, six and a half minutes to go. They were dead in a water. Third and 15. Third and 15. And then you had them third and 10, and you got the P.I. Like, it's just – it's one of those losses. I'm telling you, this one will sting forever. We will never get over it. And Kyle Shanahan will never shake it until he wins a Super Bowl. And even then, there's going to be people saying he gagged away the 2019-2020 Super Bowl. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking, man. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. exclusively on the Radio.com app or at Radio.com slash home. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 